Welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast, the podcast about healthcare relating to courts, with your host Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician. Hello and welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor. Forensic Chiropractic is chiropractic relating to the courts. This podcast is about injuries that have the potential to go to court. I am Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician in Utah. I graduated from the University of Western States in 2012, and I'm a board-certified independent medical examiner from the American Board of Independent Medical Examiners. I have extensive postgraduate training through chiropractic and medical schools. You can see my CV at ime-utah.com, and I have performed over 500 IMEs for plaintiff and defense. Now, the last few podcasts are all about time-dating injuries with imaging. Is there a way to look at imaging and determine if we have a new injury that was caused by recent trauma, or are we looking at pre-existing injuries? We have gone over multiple ways to help paint a picture of new versus old. When we look at all the evidence, it becomes easier to determine age of an injury seen on imaging. There have been articles published showing a certain percentage of the population have asymptomatic disc herniations. If this is true, there are a lot of people with no symptoms out there that have MRI evidence of disc herniations. This would make causation and time dating an injury very difficult. Today's study was published in the Journal of Whiplash and Related Disorders in 2006 by Anthony D. Antoni and Arthur Croft. They searched through all studies that showed asymptomatic disc herniations seen on MRI. They came up with five studies that they were able to review. I want to go over the findings they have for each of these studies. The first one is the Teresi et al. study. This study included 100 patients that went in for a larynx MRI. These MRIs were also assessed for disc herniations. They saw 20% of people aged 45 through 54 had disc herniations. 35% of people aged 55 through 64 had disc herniations. And 57% of people older than 64 had disc herniations. This study did show that for people over 45, we do see findings on MRI. This study by Teresi et al. has some flaws brought up in the study that I'm reviewing today. The Teresi study did not distinguish between herniated discs and disc bulges. Remember, herniated discs are when the disc material extends beyond its normal location in a focal area and bulges are circumferential extensions. Focal herniations are new injuries and disc bulges are degenerative old injuries. The Teresi study did not go over the patient's history or do a physical examination. They did not verify that these patients were asymptomatic. There was an assumption that since the MRI was not for neck pain, that they were all asymptomatic. The Teresi study likely included in their numbers patients that were symptomatic and likely included patients with old degenerative injuries and not new herniations. The Teresi study showed some serious flaws, and as the author of today's study reported, it should be interpreted with caution. The second study they reviewed was Bowden et al. They showed that 10% of patients less than 40 years of age and 5% of subjects older than 40 had asymptomatic disc herniations. 
This study did distinguish between herniation versus disc bulges and threw out disc bulge findings. There was no physical exam performed, but they did do a personal interview to ensure that they had no history of cervical symptoms. The third study they reviewed was Leto et al. This study took 89 asymptomatic patients and divided them into four age groups. The first group was 10.5 years old who showed no asymptomatic disc herniations. The second age group was 22-year-olds, and this group did not show any asymptomatic disc herniations. The third group was people 29.9 years old, and they showed 5% of them had asymptomatic disc herniations. The fourth age group was 51.9 years old and showed 3.6% of them had asymptomatic disc herniations. The Leto study did distinguish between disc herniations and disc bulges. The fourth study they reviewed was Matsumoto et al. study. This study included 497 asymptomatic people with no previous history of cervical spine disease. This study showed that between the ages of 10 and 60, there is a 2.8% prevalence of asymptomatic disc herniations. This study did distinguish between herniations and bulges. Now, the fifth study they reviewed was Civilata et al. This study followed asymptomatic patients over a seven-year period and found no disc herniations in this group. They also followed asymptomatic patients over a seven-year period and found 25% of them had disc herniations. This study only followed 15 people and is not a good number. They did, they did distinguish between herniations and bulges. These five studies show a large variation in prevalence of asymptomatic disc herniations. If we throw out the Teresi study, then the percentage of disc herniations in asymptomatic patients ranges from 0 to 10%. The Teresi study had a large flaw, including no history or exam and no distinguishing between herniations and bulges. The Bowden studies showed up to 10% of asymptomatic patients had disc herniations, but this study also did not do any physical examination on the patients to see if they were asymptomatic. If we threw out these two studies, then three of the five studies show 0 to 2.8% of asymptomatic patients have disc herniations seen on MRI. This study shows that it is unlikely that a patient who has a disc herniation showing up on an MRI had this prior to their injury and was just asymptomatic. This is one more piece of evidence that subjective symptoms are important component to a new disc herniation and are more likely than not from a new injury. Bottom line with MRI and disc herniation is that we need all the components that we have been talking about to help determine causation. Today's study was just one more part of the overall picture. I think the argument stating that herniations are commonly seen in the general public and have no symptoms is garbage. Today's study showed that, at best, there may be 2.8% of the population that fits into this category. I personally do not care about general population, but I care about my patient. Let's look at the MRI. Does it show focal herniation? Do we see modic changes, degenerative bone changes, radicular pain, disc space height loss? All of these things are ways we can help determine if this specific patient has a new causally related injury or if they have a pre-existing injury. It always needs to be about the specific patient and not the general population.
<clears throat> now, let's go over a real-world example. I have heard a lot of insurance companies use what I call universal comments. They often make a comment that an MRI showing disc herniation is not from the motor vehicle collision since lots of people have them with no symptoms. Or they say things like, there was minimal damage to the vehicle and the patient couldn't have been hurt in the collision. These tactics are not helpful. Don't tell me since the studies showed that people have asymptomatic disc herniations that my patient's injuries are not from the motor vehicle collision. Although, as seen in today's podcast, studies show that asymptomatic disc herniations are very rare. I do not want to know what may or may not have happened to a patient based on a research article. I want to take my patient and see what, if anything, happened to them specifically. Did they have a traumatic injury with onset of pain? Did the physical examination warrant an MRI? Did the MRI show focal herniation or was it a degenerative disc bulge? Is there bony degenerative remodeling around the disc damage indicating an old injury? Is there loss of disc space height indicating an older injury? Are there new radicular symptoms that are seen with a new injury and inflammation? Do we have motic changes surrounding the disc herniation? All of this information can help determine what actually happened to a patient. Today's study was one more piece of evidence showing that new herniations are symptomatic and that subjective evidence is important for helping time-date injuries. I have found that the important piece of an IME or a final report is to have objective pictures labeled and explained. I always take the time to show the objective injury and make markings on the image showing the new pathology and an explanation of why the injury is new or why it is old. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe so you do not miss out on any more medical legal research. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast. Dr. Clayton can be found online at ime-utah.com. Theme song is Three Fishers by the band Aggregate. Three corpses lay out on the shining sand.